Hey, what's up, guys? It's AJ from the Comeback Sports Podcast, and we are back. This is season five, episode one. This is the season opener, and it's great to be back. Uh, definitely been busy. Um, I'm still in my current uh, studio for, um, at the moment, but I'm planning to move out pretty soon after the summer. Just got a new job, so I work from home permanently now, so that's been sweet. Got a lot of free time, so more time to crank out some episodes. So uh, let's kind of jump into the agenda for today, and we're going to be talking about some NBA Summer League basketball, particularly um, um, Victor Wimbanyama, um, who's the number one overall pick this season, along with some beer mile racing that I did a couple weeks ago. Um, I'll give some tips and even go over some golf, too, because I've been doing a lot of golf, so I'm excited to talk about that segment. Um, Yeah, so let's jump into Summer League. Uh, with number one, number one overall pick Victor Wimbayama. So analysis considered him to be a top prospect at the age of 14 coming from France. That's where he's originally from. And by the time he was 16, he was already projected to be the number one overall pick when he was eligible for the draft. Um, he played a couple years professional basketball when he was in France. He often plays on the perimeter and has exceptional mobility and skills for his size with the ability to handle and shoot the ball like a guard. So to put in perspective, he is 7'4", 7'3", and he has handles like a point guard, essentially. That's what I thought was very interesting because not, not a lot of these tall guys are that sort of fluid with the basketball. So that's what caught my attention when he uh, made um, headline news. So other comments about his... Uh, draft profile is he's a capable three-point shooter his jump shot is difficult to block due to his length kind of similar to Kevin Durant defensively he is an outstanding shot blocker and his fluidity allows him to guard smaller players he has a thin frame at the moment so he lacks that strength and that's been labeled as weakness so he doesn't necessarily need to get bigger I think he just needs to get stronger and sometimes he struggles boxing up and defending against post-ups if there was comparisons to other players, it would be Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, as I mentioned, he is the number one overall pick, and he was drafted by the San Antonio Spurs. The hype was very similar to when LeBron James got drafted in 03. I'm not saying he's at the same level as LeBron, but the attention was definitely comparable. So, let's talk about his uh, debut game on Friday night. So the Antonio Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs, um, played against the Charlotte Hornets. And number two overall pick, Brandon Miller, was in that game. He had a pretty good game. He put up 16 points. So here's some notes of what I saw in the game. He got some good rebounds. He had seven total, five blocks, which was probably my favorite stat amongst this game. And one of them was a very deep three block. Um, so it just shows how versatile he is in terms of shot blocking. Uh, he stuffed a defender and proceeded to throw a dime to his teammate, Dominic Barlow, which was great to see. So he can pass the rock, too. Uh, some some things that, you know, weren't so great. Uh, his teammate, Blake Wesley, had to recover one of his turnovers, um, which led to a score, of course. But just he just seemed off in terms of his handles. Tough shooting the first half. He only got five points. Uh, tumbled a little bit. Kind of lost his balance. Uh, Kai Jones. Um from the Charlotte Hornets, put him on a poster. Uh, his he In his defense, uh, he, he tried to guard two players at once, so he kind of was kind of off balance when he got postered. Uh, overall, he got nine points. He was two from 13 from the field, eight rebounds, 
Final thoughts on his first game. I think he was just nervous, and I would be too. People hyped him up to be the second coming of basketball Jesus, and ESPN, Sports Center, all these media outlets are just hyping him up and just focus, having a lot of focus on him. And I sensed he was a little frustrated at the moment, uh, for a brief moment. This was in the fourth quarter. But I loved what I saw on defense. He is a freak of nature athlete. I think we will see a more dominant performance in the next game. Mind you this, I wrote this on Friday night. So I'll get on to the next game right now. So Sunday night comes around. He plays against Portland. I did watch that game. Complete turnaround. As expected, he put on a show and he had a much stronger performance on that front. So on Sunday night, he got 27 points, was 9 from four, nine for 14 on the field, 12 rebounds, and 3 blocks. No concern on my front at all. And... We'll see what's going to happen next, but I think he had a very good debut weekend, and I'll be watching a little bit more closely. So, yes, that's uh, Victor Wimbayama. Okay, so let's talk about something that I'm very excited to talk about. So you notice I'm wearing this shirt here. Like, let me uh, step away. So this shirt is a shirt that I got um, when I went to the Beer Mile World Classic, and it was awesome. Uh Chris and Adam, friends of the podcast from Beer Mile Podcast, they hosted this race with Two Brothers Brewery Company, which is a great brewery, by the way, and they hosted the World Championship race. This championship race has been hosted in Europe and other places around the world. So I'll kind of break down the two championship races, um, but first I do want to give a shout out to Shelly Houlihan, um, professional at, professional runner. She competed in one of the elite heats, not necessarily the championship race, but he, she broke the woman's record with a 543 Beer Mile which is incredible. But before I get too into it, for those who don't know what a beer mile is, um, it's where you run on a track and there's four laps to complete a mile. Between each of those laps, you have to chug a beer. So you drink one beer, run a lap, drink another beer, run a lap. You do that four total times. So four beers, four laps. And you have to try your best not to throw up, especially if you're not used to it. Um, So that's that's the breakdown of what a beer mile is. So let's talk about the women's championship race. Team USA captured the women's championship with a full sweep. The top four finishers were all U.S. women. We have Elizabeth um, Leicester uh, with a 6.03, followed by Allison Grace Morgan, who set the Masters World Record with a 6.19. Uh, Mel- Melanie um, Posdol, uh, followed by Cassandra Marin. So great to see a performance from the USA um, side of things, especially on 4th of July weekend, too. Following with the men's championship race, Corey Belmore, who is the world record holder in the beer mile, did what he does best and dominated. He won the race with a 430, but get this. His shoe came off on the first lap. There was some collision going on, and he proceeded to do the whole race with only one shoe. I I can only imagine how much kind of uh how much of a bother that would be. Because I have ran with one shoe and it's not fun. <laughs> um so props to Corey Belmore for for securing the title with a 430. Um, but Team USA, as a team, captured the championship title. And that was led by Chris Robertson, who ran a 454. Um, and the remaining USA men were within the top top 12 um, places. In third place was Nick Flinch with a 459 from Australia, followed by Jonas Anderson from Sweden with a, with a five flat. So 
when I was at the race, I actually competed too. I, I competed in one of the open heats, and I'll tell you, it's, it was a lot of fun. Um, thankfully, my nephew Kyle, he showed up and he actually videotaped me. So we're actually going to do essentially a film breakdown of my beer mile race. Um, I'm trying to see if it's going to load in my computer. Uh, look, looks like it's not ready yet, but no worries. We'll still have it up. So I'm going to watch the race on my phone. And when this video goes live, you'll have it right in front of you. So uh, let me just pull this up. Okay. So you see, I'm in the, I'm in the starting line, have my beer ready. I'm actually pretty nervous at this point. Um, and let me turn the sound on too. Yeah. You see Brown pick up his beer. He just puts it on the table. So the race starts. I'm chugging my first beer, and pretty good beer, by the way. It's uh, Two Brothers uh, Prairie Path beer. And I finished the first beer around 10 seconds, about where I wanted to be. I'm coming off this lap, and here's the thing. I don't want to go too hard on this. Like, first lap, you never want to go too hard. You see I'm just getting picked off one by one, you know, just trotting along, people passing me. And... You know, I'm still feeling okay. I'm like a little intimidated because like, ooh, am I going too slow? But you know, I just kind of stuck with suck and stuck and let it be my race. But yeah, there are some fast runners in this race too. Like Chris was telling me that most of those guys had much faster mile times than me. Cause I, I have to remind you guys, like I'm not in the best shape in terms of running fitness. Like I've been running, but I'm not like, competitive mile shape if I were to explain it that way so I know it's kind of hard to see because in the back stretch so you can't really see me but I'm wearing a white hat and a white top and black shorts and then some white Nike spikes so we're coming in the final hundred meters of the first of the first lap you'll see me on the outside just because I don't want to get involved in traffic I just want to grab my beer on the outside and just enjoy my beer with my own space Uh, this guy kind of stops. I kind of pushed him a little bit, but it was no worries. So I opened the beer. Yep. So when I chug beers, I kind of like to do one gulp at a time. So you kind of see me put it up and down a little bit. And that second beer, not really a problem. So I come in after the second beer with a 146. And I'm still on pace of where I want to be. Maybe a couple seconds slow because I was shooting for a 640 um, for my beer mouth time. So I was okay if it wasn't the fastest beers. So the second lap, I'm still in the same pace. And some of these guys, like, they're a little gassed out from that first, that second beer. And so I'm in a pretty comfortable spot. Like, I haven't changed my pace. And I'm starting out strong. But, of course, I'm getting picked off again. Still not really that concerned. Uh, just because I have a feeling this second half is really going to be tough and some of these guys aren't going to be running or drinking as fast as they were the first two laps. Oh yeah. You see that there's like a little kiddie pool. If you wanted to cool down, it wasn't too hot, but you could definitely sit in that pool if you wanted to. So let's see. we got the first place dude. He's looking pretty good. Got second, third, fourth. I'm sitting at six. So honestly, I'm okay with my with this second lap. Same strategy in lap one and two. Focus on the beers and then just comfortably run. I give Bra I give Brownman the thumbs up. Just let him know, hey, I'm good. Just I'm right where I need to be at. 
This third beer was surprisingly hard because I definitely felt it was a little too warm. But, you know, I just kind of took my time, dropped the beer. It's kind of the same thing over again. Like, my lap is slow, and these guys go off hard that off the blocks or off the, off the beer. But you see these other guys, they're still kind of struggling to keep the beer drinking consistent. That was my whole thing because I want to make my I want to make drinking my primary focus. But like I said, these guys had some quick legs, so I could not go with them all the way for sure. I like the I, I like the little grass that says "In God We Trust" as we are <laughs> drinking beer on this public track at some Christian academy. Let's see. I think I'm sitting at. Uh, one, two, three, four. I think I'm, I'm in fifth place, so I'm actually a little bit better than I was in the second lap. So this is where we get into the. This is where this is what separates the men from the boys. Okay, so we got one, two, three, four. They're out, they're pretty tight too. So these guys were really cooking, and then five all by myself. So I was a little discouraged about that. But, you know, I, I had enough gas in the tank. I was ready to go all out on this next lap. So this is where things get a little dicey. Okay. So I pick up the beer. Ah, uh, there was a bunch of foam. It was so warm, foam erupted out of it like a volcano. So I had to wait for it to stop foaming. And it tasted terrible. Oh, my God, dude. It was, I feel like I was just drinking vinegar or something. And it tasted bad. I was really bloated. I actually stopped, almost threw up right there. I'm so glad I didn't, but I powered through, and I was like, all right, time to kick in another gear. So I take off this guy who's right in front of me, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, let's see if I can get this next guy. I, I start kicking it into a gear. However, I just remembered something. I'm not in good running shape. So, like, imagine you're you're in a car, and your maximum speed is 100 miles an hour. Yeah, that was me. I was at 100 miles an hour. I couldn't go any faster than that. Unless I was like, okay, um, I'm not tired, but I can't move my legs any quicker. So let's just hope I don't get passed. That was my only thing. This was a pretty quick race, though. The guy that finished, I think he broke six or at least got six, six minutes. Yeah, these guys were right next to each other. So a good competitive race for these front four. One, two, three. And there I'm in fourth, right there. You know, just trying my best. Having fun. Robin's hyping me up. Give him a little wave. And that was it. Yeah. So that was the beer mile. Uh, would I do it again? Absolutely. It's so much fun. And so I've done this a lot. I did it in college, and I now I've done it post-college. So I'm going to give some beer mile. I'm going to give you my beer mile routine plus some tips. However, this is for beer miles that are 21 and older. So I do not condone underage drinking. If you're not 21, I don't condone it. Simple as that. So I kind of go over my routine. I have some notes here. So when I started doing this, it was about almost two months before the race. I just practiced chugging one beer. Just get used to chugging and see how fast I could do it. Start with a light beer like Michelob Ultra. 
And once I got comfortable, I started practicing back-to-back beers. So what I do was I drink a Michelob Ultra, rest for about 30 seconds, almost like interval training, and then drink another beer. No speed, just volume. So I wasn't chugging as fast as I could. I wanted to do it comfortably so I can get used to just the volume of beer in my stomach. Then I got then I got comfortable enough to do some tri- time trials. So what I did was a two-lap beer mile time trial. I would warm up, stretch, hop on a treadmill. The reason I used a treadmill was I wanted the trash can near me, and I didn't want my neighbors seeing me drink alcohol around the block. That's kind of weird. I set my speed about 75% race pace. Um, so... Same thing, no speed involved, just volume and getting used to the feeling of running with beer in your stomach. Then I got confident enough and I worked my way up to three times a week. And here was the kicker. I would go on my normal run after these beer mile sessions because that was what really was going to get you used to that feeling of running with beer in your stomach. So I would work my way to do the two lap beer mile time trial at goal race pace. So I would speed it up, kind of get closer to 90, 100% effort. On, on the trip. And then I got comfortable enough trying to do these beer mile time trials with my, the beer I was going to race with or beers that are over 5% because the beers have to be over 5% to be considered a beer mile um, race. And I got more comfortable enough. Now I was able to transition to a three lap beer mile training. So I drank three beers and three laps. You have to be careful though because I have threw up a few times doing this. So it had, it had to take some time to get used to. And I like the two mile, like the two beer one, I practiced at 75% race pace and then worked my way up to the race pace I wanted to be at on race day. So the week of the race kind of tapered a little bit. I only did one beer mile um, session and this one was a full beer mile. So I had four beers and four laps in the treadmill and the, and the pace was about 75 to 90% race pace. And I definitely didn't drink the night before. I just wanted to make sure I had a pretty clean stomach. And I wanted to make sure it was empty. So like I mentioned, I within this one and a half to two month um, training session, I threw about three times. I remember one time I went out to dinner for Father's Day. And I had like a hefty rib meal, barbecue rib meal, so good. And I did my beer mouth session, threw it up, threw it up right away. Was, I had no chance. So I'll break, that was my routine and I'll break it down into training tips and then rate actual racing tips. So the training tips is be consistent with your fitness and your drinking. If I were to calculate it, 55% of the race is fitness, how fast you can run, 45% of it is drinking. Still prioritize the racing fitness over the drinking fitness though. Cause like me, I couldn't even turn over or close any, close anybody down on those final two laps. Like I wanted to don't overdo it. Reminder, drinking impairs you. It makes you sleep like shit. So don't go doing a beer mouth session and then go driving out to do some errands. That's not, I don't recommend that. If, if you're new to this, practice with water first, like practice chugging water. That's what Chris recommended to me. And on his YouTube channel is, is you got to practice with water. If you're not, if you're very new to this, so you get used to the feeling of chugging and having volume in your stomach. Um, running a normal run after the spear mouth sessions really gets used, really helps you get used to running with the beer in your stomach as mentioned. If you're really that competitive and technical with it, measure how much beer you have left over. Um, cause the rule, the fish rules are you can't have more than four ounces of beer left over. So you're allowed one ounce of beer per beer that you drink. So that leads me into my last tip is count how many gulps it takes you for you to finish a beer and use that to help you finish the drink. So if so, 
for me, like I know it took me seven gulps for me to finish my beer off a can. So knowing that I'd mentally say like, you're almost done, man, you're at gulp five, just two more gulp six. And then you knew seven was the last one. So it kind of helped you mentally knowing how long it took you to do it. But I think what's important is make it fun too. Like I used to listen to songs while I was training, pretend it was like my own Rocky movie. And then here's some race day tips, bottles over cans every time. Cause the bottle, if you take a, a bottle of beer and a can of beer, and then you dumped them upside down. Yeah, the bottle's going to flow way quicker. That beer will be empty much more quicker. Um, expand your stomach. Uh, I ate a salad as my last meal before the race, and I was super hungry and super empty. So that really helped me drink those beers. Do not go hard on that first lap. Trust your running fitness more than your drinking fitness so you can make it up later. And don't let that beer leave your mouth. Once you let it leave your mouth, you're already admitting defeat, and it gets harder from there. Uh, you'll notice in the races, I kind of slowed down in the last 50 meters of the lap. I use it to catch my breath so I won't be too out of breath when I'm trying to drink again. Force yourself to burp, especially in the middle of the laps, because it helps you, you know, release the gas in your stomach so you can run comfortably and drink the next beer comfortably too. And use the beer you're most comfortable, comfortable with, and the same applies to temperature. I'm not good at drinking piss warm beer, so that's why I struggle in that last beer. So know what, so if you bring your own beer, know what you like to drink and know how cold or how warm you want it to be. I don't like it too cold because it burns my throat and I don't like it too warm because it tastes disgusting. So right in between is where I like to be. The first two beers are the easiest. So make sure those are completely empty because you're going to struggle to finish those last two ones. So give yourself some room for error, um, especially if they're measuring leftovers. And as always, be responsible, figure out how you're going to get home safely. Um... Uh, one thing, one thing I always liked about beer miles is the after party. So like I remember in college, we'd always go have go party or go drinking. Um, after we had done doing it, you're just in a good mood. Like, you know, when you finish a race and you have that endorphin feeling and you just, you're just in a better mood. Imagine that plus being a little drunk. It's, it's fun, but as always be safe and be responsible about it. Um, I guess I can go over the USA track and field outdoor championships. I'll go over two races. I'll go over the 1500 and the 800 meter final. I watched the semis on Friday for the 800 and just some quick notes that I got out of this was within the first, within the two heats, uh, you had Bryce Hopel, Clayton Murphy, Isaiah Harris, Wes Ferguson, Isaiah Jouette, and Will Summer, the auto qualifiers. And going into this, I wanted to root it for I wanted to root for Isaiah Jouette. He's my boy. The reason why is he's just super fun, really nice guy, and he loves Naruto. He was saying that when he was trying to qualify for the Olympics um, a couple years ago, he was in the middle of the race and he was reenacting a Naruto scene in his head. Bro, yeah, he's he's cool with me. If he likes Naruto or anime, then I get I can get along with anybody. Um, so. This is the note I wrote before watching the final, just an FYI. So this I wrote for my prediction. Um, Hopple for the win. He is seasoned and continues to get better. He runs under 145 when it matters most, and he has world, world credentials since his time at Kansas. Isaiah Harris is also a consistent runner, so be on the lookout for him. Clayton Murphy has been a little streaky since his Olympic run, but he's all, there's always a chance when he's on the field. 
He has the wheels. However, I would love to see Juet get the bronze. All right, so we'll go, we'll go to the actual race final um, after I go over the 1,500-meter final. So this was great. Um, I actually missed it because I was at a fireworks show with my family, but I did watch a rerun the next morning. So just some people from the starting list that I looked out for. Drew Hunter, I remember when he made, I remember he made news when he went pro right out of high school. Uh, Joe Wascom, uh, he's the 2023 1,500-meter NCAA runner-up. He currently runs at the University of Washington. Uh, Rio 1,500-meter champion Matt, Matthew Sintrich was there. And my favorite from the list was Yard Nagoose. He broke the American record, record in the 1,500 at the Bristlet Games with a 3.2902. Um, I remember talking about him previously when he broke the NCAA record when he was at Notre Dame where he ran a 3.34. So he's just always been on my list as, as this record-breaker dude that really breaks the norm of American running. And I'll get to that in a sec, what I, what I mean by that. Uh, other two guys I followed were Cole Hawker and Sam Prackle. Um, these guys were Oregon Ducks. Um, they were teammates. Uh, Hawker finished sixth at the Olympic Games in Tokyo. So he's definitely a guy that knows how to race, how to run for sure. So looking at the race, first lap, Hawker started in the lead, and then Nagus took over towards the end of that lead. Centuritz was just kind of chilling in the back. Um, it doesn't really surprise me. That's just kind of how he likes to do it. Um, by the second lap, Kessler was sitting right behind Nagus, and then the bell, rap, bell lap came around. Nagus was making moves, but Wascom took over in that final 200 with a very strong and powerful kick. However, uh, Nagus and Hawker put, in, put it in another gear, and Nagus completely took over and finished with the dub by the final 50 meters. He finished in 3.34.9. So he's a very interesting person to watch because he breaks the norm of American running. Ever since that 1,500-meter um, final in the 2016 Olympic Games where Matthew Centuritz won, Americans especially have been very sit and kick where they want to be very efficient and wait for the great, the right time to release that gear. I get it, man. You, especially if you're running multiple, multiple heats, um, or qualifiers or multiple events, you want to be as efficient as possible how you race, but you need a little guts. Like I see the Americans get stomped by the Europeans all the times ever since then. And Yard Nagusi is the one to break that norm and really make American running, um, you know, grittier. So that's how I like to watch him. He just kind of put, he kind of puts it into a gear and he likes to lead and can and hold that lead too. So let's talk about the 800 meter final. Um, we talked about my predictions. Now let's see if they came to fruition. Uh, Isaiah Jouet takes the lead in the first 200. CJ, Clay and Murphy and Hop will stick right behind him. Uh, the bell lap was at 51.8, and I was expecting a kick because that was a pretty slow lap to that sort of standard. Jouette was still commanding the lead up to the final 200. Hop was itching, and he took over in that final 100, that final 100 meters. Murphy and Isaiah Harris got second and third. Murphy got in Hopple's space, and some elbows were thrown, which was kind of out of character for Murphy. However, this what kind of took me off a little bit was Isaiah Harris tried to go in between CJ and Hopple in the race to an area where there's essentially no space. Like, what was he trying to get out of it? There was talks of him getting disqualified, and to be honest, I kind of wish he did. Um, the final results, uh, it went from Bryce to Isaiah Harris, Clay Murphy, and then my boy Isaiah Jouette. 
The reason I wanted Isaiah Harris to get disqualified is because if he got disqualified, Murphy moves to second and my boy Juet moves to third. Uh, however, great race. Everyone was really aggressive. I like I like the little th- elbows thrown. Uh, I just don't like I just don't like irresponsible running where you're trying to get into a space that doesn't exist, though. All right, uh, let's get to the final segment here. I've been getting into golf lately. I, I played golf for the first time my senior year of college. Um, my college girlfriend worked at a country club, and I got to play free round of golf. Terrible. Never played again. But then I got back into it again at the summer of 2021, so about three, four years after that first time. You know, it was, I played a couple. I played with some friends, and I played at a bachelor party. But then I really got into it last summer. I, bar, I started borrowing my brother-in-law's clubs. My, my job reimburses me for golf-related expenses because it falls into a wellness category. So let's say that your boss pays for your gym membership, but you don't go to a gym. My company can reimburse you for sports-related things like golf. So I was like, shoot, I'm going to use this more often. Yeah, I practiced at the I practiced at the so this summer I practiced at the driving range almost every week, practiced chipping in the backyard, um, and I go with golf with my friends maybe once or twice a month. Some days I'll just have a good day. Like if I have, if I know I'm going to be golfing the next morning, like I'll practice the the night before or the day before. I'll be like, oh, I feel great. This is gonna be awesome. However, next day I play like trash. And like I, I'm playing like trash, and I'm for, and I'm just like f- a little flustered. And there's sometimes I forget clubs. Like I'll forget a club a whole, like a hole or two down, and I'm just like, this is, I am definitely out of my element. Um, just ask Rain. I lost one of his clubs. I, I feel so bad about that. And if, it, it, and if you're not from the Midwest, well, actually, this applies anywhere, honestly, in the United States. After 8 a.m., it's so goddamn hot. It's hot everywhere. And so if I'm not golfing before 8 a.m., I'm golfing after 8 a.m. and I'm sweating and it doesn't help me play any better. See, I'm, I'm a little picky at my weather. I don't like super hot or super cold. So if it's super hot, I'm going to not be in the best mood. And like, I find myself to be like a gambler because, you know, if you're a, if you have a gambling problem, you keep losing and then you want to keep playing so you can win back your money. The same thing applies with golf. I have a shitty round. I instantly want to play another round. We'd be like, oh, that was a nice round. It's like, let's run it back. It's it's bad. <laughs> I I wanted I played golf on July 3rd, and on the way home, after a bad round of it, I was like, I'm playing golf tomorrow. Like, my mind was so focused on playing that next round of golf, it didn't really click to me that tomorrow was a holiday. It's July 4th, and I had plans. <laughs> I was so I was so focused. I wanted to run it back, like I said. Uh, but it gets worse, man. When I, I mentioned I practice in the backyard, I lose balls left and right. I'm spending half my time just finding the ball in the backyard. Or sometimes it goes into my neighbor's yard. And I feel I feel like it's not even worth my time doing it in the backyard anymore. Uh, breaking tees. Yeah, so I need to start pushing my tee down more because, yeah, I'd be breaking them, especially if someone gives me some. And I'd be catching myself watching videos all day on Instagram. Like social media advertisers know how desperate I am because they will send me an Instagram ad of you want to improve your swing. Watch this video for quick tips. I watch this video and I get stuck in and I get they claim it's going to fix my swing. And 20 minutes into the video, I'm like, when the fuck are they going to tell me how to fix it? 
And then they finally get to the end of the video. It's like, for just X amount of dollars a day, you can get the program. That's going to change your swing. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to do that. I thought it was just going to be one, one quick tip, and then I close it. No, I got to buy something now. It's that bad. And that leads to the biggest frustration. I would say almost everybody has this frustration that's new to golf. Slicing the damn ball. I will do one thing, and it will fix it momentarily, and I'll be praising the Lord like, thank God, it's finally fixed. And then another thing has to be corrected, and I'm back to square one. It's the same thing back and forth. I know what you're probably thinking, like, why don't you just get a, less, a private lesson or something? I'm like, I know that. I know people are going to fix it, but I'm cheap. Uh, that's just how I roll, but I will do it. I eventually will get someone to help me fix these problems. And I, I'll admit it's it's been annoying is it frustrating yes am i gonna stop playing absolutely not because i'm not gonna let a bunch of white balls and iron rods stop me or defeat me in this conquest to fix something as simple as my slice so if you got any golf tips send them in the comment section honestly um, i'll take advice from anybody so that wraps up today's show um as as you can tell camera's dead tough luck you're just going to get a picture of me with a little text box on below it. So yeah, that leads me to my next thing. Make sure you like subscribe and share this video with a friend, you know, the whole rest. So thanks again, everybody. Uh, it's great to be back. I, since I have a little bit more free time, I'm really excited to like do this more consistently. Um, cause you know, I'm not commuting to work, so I have some, I can sleep in more or I can get up early and get stuff done. And I'm excited. Um, this has been fun. Oh yeah. And by the way, uh, for the Taylor Swift fans out there like me, make sure you listen to the Speak Now release. Um, the Taylor's version came out. Absolutely great. Great songwriter. Great storyteller. Bops everywhere. I love it. Uh, yeah, so thanks again for watching, guys. Uh, have a great day. And make sure to like, subscribe, and share this video with a friend. Every little bit helps. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care.